If you're an adult amateur horse lover who wonders what it takes to make magic with horses, you're in the right place. I'm Paige Lockton, and this is The Magic of Horsecraft. Join me for conversations with wizards in the world of horsecraft about the ingredients needed to build connection with horses and courage in life. Turns out these things are connected. How do I know? <laughs> like most things, I learned the hard way. I lost the magic I once had with horses. In regaining it, I discovered that the elements of connection are learnable. Whether you ride your horses forwards, backwards, or sideways, stick around for stories that show us how we are the same and that anything is possible. Take a chance. On today's episode, we're talking to my friend, a horseman and a healer, Reverend Ron Kelly. How are you doing today, Rod? Oh, I'm doing absolutely awesome. Mm. It's been so nice to spend some time with you. Um, I am on this crazy road trip around the continent, chasing down the magic of horsecraft and life. And you have a little experience with both, and you've certainly worked some magic in my life. Thank you. Thank you. It was, I had lots of fun doing it. Awesome. Pulled a little hair out. Not that I could afford to lose any more hair, but I did. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I put you to the test a little bit. Uh, so if, just to fill in the backstory for our listeners, um, I uh, knew Rod 20 years ago or more in, I think, year 2000. He showed up just after his own health shitstorm, a really serious health shitstorm, and he volunteered on my farm um, and it was beautiful. And then I didn't see him for 20 years. And right in the middle of my own cancer battle, um, he popped up out of the blue and uh, I asked him, hey, Rod, what have you dedicated the last 20 years of your life to? And you said? Helping people with cancer. <laughs> Amazing, eh? The world works in mysterious ways. So there I was, um, pretty sick, near the end of my chemo regime and still staring down radiation and whatnot. And um, other than the cancer, I was in a, a pretty bad place. I had... Um, divorce and bankruptcy just behind me and um, was trying to start my life over when it was interrupted with cancer and um, I had to I had to want to live and I had to know that I could do it differently. I was really terrified Rod of recreating the same shitstorm that had brought me to cancer um, and I have you largely to thank for helping to reroute the circuitry of my brain and my thoughts so I didn't recreate the same reality. Um, I wonder if you might tell our listeners when you were working with me and um, what your impressions were of the state I was in and the first thing you wanted me to focus on to get me out of there. The first thing I wanted you to focus on is the image of yourself being totally past your medical issue, feeling healthy, strong, and happy. Why would that matter that I can picture it? Your state of mind has everything to do with your health. Things like cancer are created, first of all, with a single negative thought somewhere in your past, typically prior to the age of four. And you see, the problem is, in physics, there is a law that says, like energy attracts like energy. If you have a negative uh, mindset, 
you can't draw anything but negativity. It's not going to happen because your mind sets the tempo for who you're going to be in the future. And it's not the, the reality of the future. It's only your perceptions of it. Now, this might be uh, a bit of a big leap for some of our listeners. It was a bit of a leap for me. But when I learned about the science of our energy field, and that it's measurable, and that our emotions are measurable in terms of frequency in this energy field, um, then uh, that we are energetic beings, then it becomes less of a stretch for me, or it became less of a stretch for me to understand how our thoughts can carry energy and that our thoughts can create our reality. Um, initially, to be honest, I, I didn't buy in, but I thought it couldn't hurt. So I did the exercises, um, recognizing my negative thought patterns and changing them alongside the heart math technology. And anecdotally, all those things would go together. So the heart math technology my listeners have been introduced to before. If you haven't, we'll have some links in the show. Um, but it would show me when my nervous system was in the red, I would check my thoughts. My thoughts would be negative. <sighs> I would take a breath, go into the green and have more positive thoughts. And I kept interrupting this circuitry of mine. And do you remember me telling you when I started paying attention to my thoughts and I'd talk to you at the end of my day, Rod, I have so many negative thoughts per day. I'm the most negative person you've ever met in your life. Do you remember that? Yeah. <clears throat> oh my goodness. I didn't think that at 52 years old, I would be able to rewire my neural circuitry. Did you? Absolutely. Yeah. Because we are created absolutely perfect. And whatever we conceive and believe tends to become manifested. Now, you take your own uh, life. You have been immersed in negativity for many, many, many years. Got even more involved with a marriage that wasn't really beneficial. And you just had to realize that that's not you. That was who you perceived yourself to be based on other people's attitudes and concepts of who you are. Yeah, I'm a big time people pleaser at my core because of how I grew up. Uh, and I, I have to um, recognize that and fight it every day. And it, it's not something people give me credit for because I'm loud and big. They don't imagine you, me no, being no, anything. No, you're tall. But you're not big, you're tall, you're not big. Well, I tell you what, Peter Taylor used to say, honey, you are statuesque. So I like statuesque. <laughs> <laughs> but people didn't um, give me credit for being a people pleaser uh, and maybe didn't, didn't imagine how much turmoil there was inside for me always trying to produce what I thought they wanted to see. And that was yeah. killing me. And not using my voice and living to my values was indeed yep. killing me. So thank you for having the faith because... At the end of those days when I would call you and report how many bazillion negative thoughts I had per day and worry about whether it would ever be possible, I had this sense that there was at least one person in the world, it was you, <laughs> who had an unequivocal, absolute faith in that it was possible. 
Otherwise, I was pretty close to giving up. I, I, I was really, really close to giving up. I was not about to allow you to do that. <laughs> In as much as anyone can, yeah. Your, your, um, your faith that it was possible allowed me to cling to that tiny little bit of hope that it might be possible for me too. And then um, my friend Carmen Theobald also was was uh, huge in my recovery, introduced the idea of it being like 1% per day. So I think she got that from Jim Quick, who is someone that everyone should look up. Jim Quick is a rewiring your brain expert and efficiency expert um, and memory expert. And he said, just look for 1% per day. So I started looking for the small wins, which kept me hanging in there. Um, so I want to say that these last few days, I, I've been in uh, Connecticut, um, having not seen you for 20 years apart from over Zoom, that it is amazing to see you in person. But um, I found out that the benefits of speaking to someone like you, whether it's um, someone helping us through... Um, psychiatry or this is more like uh, spiritual help I would say what what kind of help did you, would you say you gave me spiritual help yeah you I wanted you to totally understand and accept your own spirit as being perfect unconditional love to you for you and by you mm -hmm. That was hard to do when I was in the middle of owning mistakes I'd made in my past and, you know, what led to the divorce and the shitstorm. That doesn't just come out of nowhere. It comes from decisions I've made along the way, and taking responsibility for those was really hard. See, the key to that is just realizing that they weren't really negative incidents. Mm. They, we learn from negative. The positive things in life, that's our rewards. But the negative things are our teachers. And the more negative events are, the greater the lesson is behind it. And when you can look at it, really break it down and say, what could I possibly be learning from that that I couldn't have learned any other way? Hmm. And a light bulb goes off. Bingo. And well, the minute you understand what the lesson is, that lesson is transmuted from negative to positive, and you will never be repeating that same mistake over again, because it's not a mistake, it's a lesson. Yeah. Well, from my experience with that, um, I seem to be not learning the same lesson over and over and over again until it got bigger and bigger and bigger. And then um, as we were speaking and getting to know one another, I can remember telling you sad stories from my past, whether whatever sad story it was and things I thought of as mistakes I had made with my children. And I'd be crying and sad. And you would ask at the end of that particular, each particular story, well, what was the lesson you learned? And as soon as I realized what I had taken from it, the pain of the story was gone. So now if I retell that sad story from my past, I'm not crying and feeling sorry for myself. I feel completely differently about it. It's perfect. That's, per that's called learning from your past histories mm -hmm. and understanding that you didn't really have a 
negative life, you only had negative events in it because you needed to learn. Mm-hmm. And the quicker you learn, the quicker you move on and you don't have to keep repeating the same nasty the hard quicker lesson. You accept, the quicker you not accept, not learn. Yeah. You've got to accept that these things were there to teach you. Mm-hmm. Reminds me of um, a day I spent with a friend of mine named Tana, who's an incredible human being. And I had just received news of the cancer in my left breast. My roof was leaking. My car wasn't roadworthy. And there was something else. This is one thing after another. And she said, Paige, she said, I know this is going to sound trite. <laughs> but the first thing you have to do is find gratitude. And you know, I just, part of me just wanted to, to smack her. <laughs> like, oh my God, how can I be grateful right now? Oh, thanks a lot, Tana. Yeah, I got a lot to be grateful for. And I went driving off in my van, crying and feeling sorry for myself. And um, I was thinking about this while traffic was stopped and accepted the challenge of, yeah, how can I be grateful on a day like today as I was headed off to the hospital? And I found something to be grateful for. And then I, I accepted sort of the next level challenge was not just something to be grateful for, but to look at the hardest thing we were going through and be grateful for it. And I was able to do that. And I went from crying to laughing at a set of stoplights. <laughs> and um, and I've, I've been... I felt like I've been okay ever since. Um, like that was the beginning of being able to find joy in my shit storms. And it's, it really starts with gratitude, doesn't it? Yeah. 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 Not always easy initially, but I feel like it gets easier with time. Do you? Absolutely. You see, we are an adaptive species. We can adapt to anything. I mean, anything, we can adapt. And, and once you understand that life is a school that never closes, it's a class that never ends, and all we are there to do is learn from our experiences. Our entire life is just a series of lessons we need to learn from. And once again, the positive events that come into our lives. That's our rewards. Where the negative things that come into our lives, those are our teachers. Mm -hmm. Learn to look at them really deeply and say, what could I be learning from this that I couldn't learn any other way? And once you understand that, life gets to be really, really amazing. And I can't imagine life getting any better, but yet it always does. Comes through loud and clear in your life, really, is transmuted. Oh, totally. Yeah. So at the time, I used to repeat mantras like the one you just said, I, I can't imagine life getting any better, and yet it always does. Um, or uh, everything is always working out for me, or some positive things like that. And I felt initially a little bit, like it was hard to buy into. I had to morph them into words that I could say to myself and not feel like a fraud. And then each day they carried more weight um, and a little bit like a ball 
it, it carried more momentum. So there was initially finding gratitude and looking for the lessons. And then when I look back on things I might have previously been ashamed of, and shame is a killer, shame will kill you. Um, I could look at what I learned, take ownership if that affected, if maybe what I was looking at was a difficult relationship with a spouse or child or whatever, uh, take ownership of it um, and move forward. And um, so there was a letting go of shame. Um, and there was just this building every day of just being a little bit more positive. If this is resonating with you, and you've ever felt a little lost as you navigate conflicting data from horse pros across the disciplines, all claiming to have their own methods or recipes for making magic with horses, and you want the clarity and confidence to make sense of it all, I have a roadmap for you. Check out our foundation course. Consider it Horsecraft 101, from amateur to magician making magic with horses a unique group coaching program with live online support that helps adult amateurs from non-horsey families who are seeking understanding and connection become the best stewards for their horses in nine weeks without conflicting data, lack of knowledge, or not knowing where to go to for help. So they understand how and why horses think and react the way they do to create a relaxed and confident relationship. If you're still on the fence, we have a freebie for you. If you're ready, so are we. You can get started at themagicofhorsecraft.com. Until then, take a chance and remember, anything is possible. Now, when it was really, really challenging, um, I would have to just kind of stop myself in my tracks. And my go-to was to look to the sky. And it never, ever failed. It didn't matter whether it was cloudy or sunny. There was always something absolutely marvelous about watching the sky, the fog, the moon, the stars, whatever I looked up to that would bring me around, kind of balance my nervous system, and then I could go forward again with a bit of positivity. Do you have any tricks that you use when you find a difficult patch or you're in the middle of a shitstorm. Do you have any magic sauce you pull out? Yeah, yeah, this, this is every time, and I mean every time, I start getting a little bit eh, into a funk. I would hear my spirit guide saying the same thing over and over again. What do you think we had you travel this far and have you fail now? I don't think so. And listening to my own spirit laughing at me, saying, get over it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. There's a reason for this, and you're going to learn from it. And once you learn, it's never going to happen again. Smile. You just got through the last lesson. Mm -hmm. How many times uh, did you have near-death experiences, Ron? Three different times. Three different times I flatlined. And how long and was you your see, longest this, time? The wonderful thing about this is the school of knowledge that I went to to learn my healing skills, they weren't something that I sat in the classroom. And if I didn't gain an understanding, uh, I got a failing mark and report card. 
when these lessons came to me, if I didn't understand them, I died. Mm -hmm. So let me tell you something. I had a real strong incentive to learn really quick, and I became a very, very astute student. Now, you had just about seven years of on and off near-death experiences, yeah, didn't you? This, this was my seven years of initiation. Yeah. And anytime I was failing, uh, Spirit was saying, hey, we're going to take you back. You, you pay attention. Pay attention. Pay attention. And once I started really looking at the situation, whatever it was, from a different perspective, from a higher perspective. I like to call it from looking at the perspective of an eagle. Mm -hmm. Then the situation just changed. Mm -hmm. It became transmuted to a different form. And once again, the most powerful lesson about healing in all of physics is one single one stands out really strong. And that is positive energy consumes negative energy. Whenever you are in a negative thought, what you immediately need to start doing is changing your mind and thinking about the most positive thing you can. One of the incidents that I had was uh, I have a nephew that had uh, hydrocephalitis. And that's where the, uh, the spinal fluids aren't draining from your brain properly. And at the age of 10, he'd already had seven uh, shunts put in. And we're at his house uh, one day for Sunday dinner. And out of a clear blue sky, he got one of these horrific headaches. And the first thing I did is I had him stand tall and just focus his thoughts. And I had him think about his favorite dessert. And I says, is that served hot or cold? What kind of flavors are you picking up from it? What's the texture feel like? What do you feel like when you're eating it? What do you feel like when you're, after you're done eating in it? And within two minutes, bingo, his headache was gone. A few uh, weeks later, he called me up one day and he says, Uncle Rod, I had another one of those headaches yesterday. And I did exactly what you told me. And I wasn't able to get rid of the pain completely. I was only able to bring it down to a level of two. And I told him, that's perfect. Because pain is an indication of a pending problem. It's there as a reminder. I never want to take pain away from anybody completely because then they forget about their limitations and they're going to do something that's really going to be detrimental to them. Pain is an indication of a pending problem. But we want to keep that pain at a tolerable level where it doesn't interfere with your daily life. Mm -hmm. Now that could apply to psychological pain too. And I'm just thinking for our listeners a bit from my own experience. Um, when we talk about owning the lessons and going back into our lives, the things we're ashamed of, sometimes it's really hard and it hurts to go there. So we don't want to, we put up all kinds of barriers. Um, but I heard this 
through Brene Brown, who heard it from someone else, I think, that it's a little bit like being stuck in the burning fires of hell. And beside you, there's a ladder. And the ladder goes way, way up. And you can tell that at the top, there's bright blue sky and fresh air while you're stuck down there in the burning furnace of hell. But those ladder rungs are blisteringly hot. The only way up is to reach out and grab one, and then another, and then another. And they're hot <laughs> as hell. But each time you do, and you move up a rung, it gets a little cooler. And then move up a rung, and it gets a little cooler. And it gets easier with practice. You build up maybe a little callus on your palms. You decide how quickly you reach for the next rung, or whether you hang out on that rung for a little while, metaphorically, right? And then the next thing you know, you're out in the bright blue sky. So the only way out is through. Um, it does hurt initially, but it gets easier. And uh, do you have anything to add to that? Yeah, one of the things that I have found extremely beneficial in my own life is a single mantra. And that mantra is, I am of the light, by the light, and for the light. I am the light. I have been saying that every single night before I fall asleep and every single morning when I first wake up. I'm of the light, by the light, and for the light. I am the light. And then I call on my ancestors to give me whatever knowledge I'm going to need for that day. And it works like an absolute charm. Mm -hmm. So you were at the at death's door on and off for seven years with blood clots and strokes and all kinds of medical problems. The medical doctors gave up on you. There was nothing more you, that could be done by them to help you. Um, why do you suppose you lived in spite of all of that? Because spirit was not going to allow me to make that transition because I had a job to do. Mm -hmm. And in one of those incidents, it was two, two of the near-death experiences were fleeting. I was already under medical supervision when they occurred. Once I was in a uh, Lifestar being flown from an accident, another time it was in the uh, under a surgical procedure, an op open-heart surgery. But what it really came down to is during that one really long, lasted for 27 minutes, and I was actually in the hospital being treated for a blood clot and a massive clot hit my lungs and all breathing ceased. And at first I fought like an absolute banshee. But then a moment of realization came over me and I said, wow, this is amazing. And I had shed all earthly restrictions. I had no more, I could do and be any place in the entire globe in as many places as I chose to be. And then I looked down and I watched the three nurses running down the corridor with me and a gurney. And one nurse is on top with a uh, bag trying to force me to breathe. 
while the other ones were just running as fast as they could down the hall. And I watched them run into the intensive care, and I watched two doctors and three nurses going absolutely bonkers on me. And finally, I heard the nurse say very clearly and very distinctly, and I'll never forget the word. She says, it's 27 minutes, and if we don't do something fast, he's gone. And she reached over, grabbed me by the nipple, and twisted with all her might, and bango, I was back in my body, and I was furious. <laughs> I did not want to be back. But in the next few days... Laying in the, uh, still in the hospital bed, recuperating. I realized that this was all just an indication to teach me that I have a purpose. And the person I thought I was my entire life was absolute, total bullshit. I was looking at myself as other people perceived me from their screwed up lives. And I realized that I was so much more than I'd ever given myself credit for. And I started to take ownership of the decisions and the events in my life and understanding that they're only there to move me up to the next rung in the ladder. And yet, as you said, Sometimes those wrongs were very, very scorching in your hands. But they were necessary. Mm. Because spirit is in control of your life. Your ancestors are the ones that arrange the seemingly negative events because they know the lesson you're supposed to be learning. And the wonderful thing about it is once you learn a lesson, there is an angelic law that says that event can never, ever, ever be repeated. On the one hand, I want to argue, as you say, spirit is con in control of our lives. It almost makes it look like there's a map and it's all organized and then we don't make any decisions. So I just want to kind of go back to that because I don't think that's what you meant. And it could oh, maybe yes. be extrapolated. It is. But there, you know, we make choices every day that change the possible outcomes. So there's not one timeline in our life in the future that's all predecided for us. No. See, one of the laws, the spiritual laws, spirit can never overstep your ability to make decisions. Your choices are sacred. That's what I wanted to draw. Your, from the yours, your decisions are sacred. They are given to you and only, we are the only animal in the entire world that was given this gift of choice. It's sacred. But spirit works beyond those choices. They work on a much longer platform for time. They plan things 10 years ahead of time. Longer than that, because they can only allow us to learn as we become able to learn. The lessons are never going to be more than we can deal with. Mm -hmm. um, 
Yeah, I think some of that I find there's some bumpy spots for me in buying into because as I hear you, I think people might think that everything is just pre-planned and we have no choice. And I, I know we have choice and that it changes the possible outcomes, that there are lessons that we're here to learn, but that the way we could learn those lessons and the things we could do to get there could be different from every decision we make. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, thank you so much for unpacking this today. My hope is that when other people's people listen, they can grasp that there's hope no matter how low they are, because both you and I have been pretty close to death and, um, that it takes time and that it takes help. So I couldn't have done it alone and I wouldn't expect anyone else to do it alone. And you didn't do it alone. You had some great spiritual teachers. Um, so thank you so much for being there for me and for being there for our listeners. Um, you can get in touch with Rod Kelly at rodkelly.net. Yep. And, um, and that's K-E-L-L-Y. Yeah. Um, and your services, although I know your preference is always to do live one-on-one -on -one things, they were really effective for me via Zoom or um, whatever kind of platform you want to do them on. So I would encourage people to get in touch with Rod if they need some hope and some guidance and um, maybe they need a little rewiring um, towards positivity. Uh, Rod is a reverend and a board-certified hypnotist. And I think he can really help you out. Thanks for helping me, Rod. I totally enjoyed working with you. You were so absolutely fluid in accepting the lessons that uh, oh, I, I don't know. Through. I don't know. There were some bumps yeah. in that road, Rod. <laughs> <laughs> I think you're giving me too much credit there. <laughs> well, sometimes I did have to repeat myself more than once or twice. Yeah, yeah. Once more than five or six times so. yeah yeah I, I have to touch the hot stove over and over again before i learn that's just the truth but thank you for being there and thank you for being there for our listeners that i did i totally enjoyed this and and i really enjoyed working with you and especially seeing you after 20 years <laughs> still alive find enjoying the shit storms thanks rod all right hey you're still here Thanks so much for listening. What you think and feel matters. If this resonated with you, please like and share. It truly makes a difference. I encourage you to engage with the content on my Substack account and my socials, all at The Magic of Horsecraft, where you can join the discussion and shape the future shows. Tell me what you want to hear more of or less of, and we'll evolve together as we grow a community of like-minded souls here for the good of the horse. If you're an adult amateur horse lover looking for confidence and clarity in your role of equine steward, check out my course, From Amateur to Magician, Making Magic with Horses at themagicofhorsecraft.com. Until then, I'm here to remind you of a couple things. One, underneath it all, we all want the same things, to be heard, understood, and accepted for who we are. And two, anything is possible. Take a chance. <laughs>